Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, May the 15th. And welcome, welcome to our commentary. Got a few thoughts here about Mother's Day. You know, I have a post over at the American Thinker that came out Sunday, Mother's Day. And it was my, my recollection of Mother's Day from a television perspective. Uh, you know, over the years, we grew up watching a lot of good shows on TV where the mother was a very prominent character in the show. And I highlighted three of them. I highlighted three of them, three of my favorite, what I like to call my favorite television mothers, or the three ladies who used to play these three characters who sort of became my my three favorite uh, television mothers. Now, I had a lot to pick from. I had a lot of different shows to pick from. And, uh, you know, I picked three that were most entertaining to me, although in some of the comments that I got from my article, obviously there were many others and there were many others, but I had to pick three. So I had to, you know, I had to tell you my three favorites, but uh, obviously there were many, many uh, who were on the list. You know, when I, when I was doing my list, I think I came up with seven or eight uh, of favorite television shows where again, the mother was a very important character on on the show but i picked as number one as number one mrs cleaver of leave it to beaver and you know i'm sure you all remember the show about leave it to beaver you know beaver and his brother wally and you know the father and the mother mrs cleaver and i guess i picked that one as my all-time favorite because it's it's kind of my generational she's i think a mother of my generation and what I mean by that, if you grew up and if you were born in the 50s and you grew up in the 60s like I did, mothers, there was something about mothers that was perfectly reflected by Mrs. Cleaver of Leave it to Beaver, you know, the stay-at-home mom who was very much involved in your school, very much involved in your lives, who, who had, I don't know, there's just something about Mrs. Cleaver. If, if you grew up in the 1960s, uh, then you had a an attachment to Mrs. Cleaver because she reminded you so much of your own mother as she did my mother. So Mrs. Cleaver of Leave it to Beaver was number one in my uh, final three. Number two, now this is an interesting one. This, this is from the 70s, so I'm a little older now and I'm watching television now at a later age in my life. But I picked as number two, Mrs. Ingalls of uh, Little House on the Prairie. That was a show that came out uh, in the mid-70s. Uh, it, it just had some wonderful characters uh, on the show, including Michael uh, Landon. I think that was his name, the, 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 the father in the show. But the mom in that show, Mrs. Cleaver, was, or Mrs. Engels, I mean, Mrs. Engels, on uh, Little House on the Prairie, was one of the most amazing characters because she was very typical of the of the woman of the frontier, you know, the woman who had to go out there and do so many things uh, as being a mother and a wife in, in the frontier. And I I always saw her versatility and her ability to deal with adversity and everything else. And I saw a little bit of that my own mother in that, you know, we came here, of course, uh, from Cuba, 
in the 1960s and as anybody who's grown up in an immigrant's home uh, will tell you that, you know, you deal with a lot of adverse uh, adversity and your mother becomes very versatile in doing a lot of different things. And that's kind of the way I saw Mrs. Uh, Ingalls on that show, Little House on the Prairie. I, I just thought she was absolutely great and uh, the type of character and who has outlived. I mean, that show, that show was on the air 45 years ago, and yet it continues to be popular on reruns. Uh, Michael Landon, of course, passed away, I guess, about almost 30 years ago. He died very young of cancer. But the lady who was uh, Mrs. Ingalls, uh, I think she celebrated number 80 uh, earlier this year. The, the two young sisters who were on that show, Laura and Mary, uh, still very, uh, very much uh, in the hearts of so many of us who watch that show. But for me, it was the mom, a mom who, who was just an amazing woman you know, growing up in the frontier. And that's why I put her as number two, just a woman of great versatility and character who held that family together. As you know, sometimes uh, the father would have to travel for months looking for work or looking for money for the family. And she was back there in that little prairie doing whatever she had to do uh, to survive. So Little House, Mrs. Ingalls of the of Little House. And then I put number three, and this is kind of a fun choice. This is the one that I think is for pure fun. And that is Morticia Adams of the Adams family. Now I'm, I'm talking here about the television show, not the movie. The, the one that I'm really familiar with is the television show. I never liked the movie. I just didn't get into it. I guess I just uh, kept thinking about the original characters of the Adams family on TV, and I, I just never went for the for the movie. But the the show itself, the Adams family, that was one of the very first shows that we saw when we came to the United States. Uh, I think the show was on for much of the late '60s. It was on on TV, and I think it was black and white. I don't think that ever sh that show ever went uh, on colors. So it was a black and white. And the intro, I think everybody loves the intro, you know, of that show, you know, with the uh, the little, uh, you know, the little thing there at the beginning, you know, the Adams family. I think everybody loved the intro. But the, the reason I liked Morticia Adams is because there was a little crazy quality about Morticia Adams to be, to be nice about it. I mean, she was a little freaky. She was a little crazy. They did some crazy things in that house. And I think in that respect, you know, um, as I said in the article that I wrote, there's something crazy, too, about some of our mothers. And that's, uh, that's the reason why I selected them. So I selected three mothers as my favorite three television mothers in my American Thinker post. Leave it to Beaver, Mrs. Cleaver, uh, Little House on the Prairie, Mrs. Ingalls, and then, of course, the one and only Morticia Adams of, of the Adams family. So check out my article. It's available at the American Thinker on Sunday morning, Mother's Day. Check out the article if you... If you don't find it over there, you can always get it, of course, on, on my blog where I repost uh, all of my uh, American Thinker articles. Well, there's a lot that we're going to be talking about this week. And one of the things that we're going to be talking about, of course, is the border and just how secured the border is. Uh, the White House is trying to take some credit for the fact that, you know, the, the border is not as crazy as we all thought it was going to be. You know, everybody kept thinking about this 
influx of people. And so far, that has not happened in the way that, that frankly, many people had predicted. But that's not because it, it didn't happen. I mean, it, that could still happen, let me put it this way. That influx of people could still happen because there are thousands on the other side. And I, I'm going to be a little bit cynical here in, in my conclusion. And I've got a post uh, coming out about this uh, tomorrow morning, Tuesday. I think that uh, some of that influx has been a bit managed, if you will, by people, particularly the human smugglers. I don't think it would have been good for business to have had all those people rushing in. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little manipulation of how, how these people are coming in. I know that's very cynical on my part, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if, that's, uh, if that's what's happening here. So check out my post uh, on on Tuesday morning about this. But look, I, I continue to say that the way the Biden administration has handled this is a total, complete failure and dereliction of duty. And I, I just don't know how else to say it. Now, many of these people have a legitimate claim to asylum. I'm not denying that. But at the same time, there has to be a better way to process asylum seekers, giving people a ticket that says, we will see you in 2026, 2027, that doesn't make any sense. That is not an asylum system. And that is why every day that goes by, the policies of the Trump administration, the remain in Mexico policy makes a lot more sense to me because you're giving the judges up here and the courts up here an opportunity to take in people when they are ready to hear their case, not when everybody rushes in. There's also a question, you know, what are these people going to do? Now that they're up here, you know, what are they going to do? Where are they going to go? Uh, where are they going to work? Uh, even basic things like health care. Where, where are they going to get health care? Uh, their kids, school, I guess they'll have to go to the public schools. But our communities ready for that. Our communities in different parts of the country ready for an influx of children who don't speak English into their public schools. Uh, I don't know. I don't think we are ready for it. And that's, that's again, it goes back to my point that the beauty of Remain in Mexico was that it created at least an orderly entry of people into the country. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a big story over the next uh, couple of weeks. I have a post that uh, came out on Saturday uh, regarding Brazil and China. Brazil and China are coming together economically in a way that uh, I think we need to keep an eye on because China is advancing quite a bit in Latin America and coming up with all kinds of relationships in Latin America. And they're doing it for their interest, obviously, not uh, the United States. So we got to keep an eye on China as they develop more and more relationships in Latin America. I also had a post uh, last uh, weekend or in the last few days ago about inflation in Argentina. I mean, inflation is killing, absolutely killing Argentina. And of course, later today, we'll be recording our Week in Review, the podcast, with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. That should be available uh, in the blog, you know, in a few hours. And one of the things that I want to ask uh, Bill about is the story about the Marine in New York. What's going to happen with that Marine in New York? I know that people are outraged that this man is being held or was accused of manslaughter. I mean, I Obviously, he didn't go in there to try to kill this person. He was trying to protect people in that train or in that subway from this madman. So, I mean, there's got to be a better way to deal with this hero in my book. He's a hero 
for trying to save people on that uh, on that train. We're also going to talk to Bill a little bit about DeSantis versus Trump. That's just starting right now. The DeSantis versus Trump campaign is just getting on the way this week. And I think both sides have a strategy here. I'm beginning to detect this. Uh, Trump is saying, vote for me. I did it before. DeSantis is saying, vote for me because I have a better chance of winning. And those are both good arguments, good arguments, as we're going to get into a lot more of the DeSantis versus Trump campaign, because it should be starting as early as this week. And we'll see these two guys, these two heavyweights, really, go at each other with big gloves and big punches. These two guys can punch. DeSantis can punch. Trump is a good puncher. We know that. But I think DeSantis will show us that he can punch back. And uh, one of these two guys, obviously, is going to end up being the GOP nominee. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump and DeSantis are on the same ticket either, but that's maybe looking too far ahead. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. And again, I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day. Bye-bye, everybody.